Hi, welcome. Uh, welcome to the IT University's open house for the Bachelor's in Data Science, and we are very happy to see you. I am uh, Altea, I'm a fourth semester student of uh, Data Science, and I'm going to be your facilitator in this webinar, which will last around 45 minutes. And uh, welcome from me as well. I'm Teresa Grauers, and I'm a lecturer in the program, and I'm also the head of, uh, so I'm managing this whole data science program. So uh, the first thing you will hear today is a presentation from Therese about the program, its uh, academic focus and career opportunities. If you have any questions during the presentation, we have a Q&A function and you can just write them in there. After the presentation, we will answer as many questions as, as we can in the time that we have. So uh, now we'll hear the presentation. Hi, and welcome to ITU. I'm Therese Grausen, and I'm the head of the Data Science Bachelor Program. I'm also lecturing in the program, so I teach currently machine learning in the third semester. And also, I'm an active researcher, um, and I do forensic science and statistics. So let me illustrate to you some of the problems we face in data science by talking just a bit about my own research. Um, so I work sometimes as an expert witness for the police in the UK. Um, and the type of problem we have here is uh, that uh, at the crime scene, for instance, uh, in one case, uh, there was a, um, a nightclub where there was a drive-by shooting. Um, then the police found a single bullet uh, as evidence. And inside that bullet, there was a piece of DNA. Um, and it was a very complex piece of DNA. It was mixed uh, DNA from around five people. So with the standard methods that were available at that time, um, this piece of evidence was actually too complex for standard methods to handle. Um, so therefore, I was contacted as a special expert um, to see if I could evaluate this piece of evidence and give some kind of statistical number that could then be used in the courtroom. Um, so I came into this because I had uh, done research in statistical models and also in, you could say, algorithmic work. So basically, make a, a computational model that is also fast enough to run in practice in a computer. Um, so the current methods, even though they had huge computers available, they were still not fast enough to do the computations necessary to work with DNA for five people. Um, so luckily, with what I had done through my research, it was possible to compute this evidence in the case. Um, and the type of, of question here that you get is really interesting. So it starts off by being a, say, non-technical question, um, such as, is this particular person's DNA present in the sample we found at the crime scene? And as a scientist, I then need to translate that into some kind of technical question that we can answer using statistics and computational tools available. And then I do a computation, and then I need to phrase that back in a language that the courts and the police can then use in their context. So in data science, we have this um, interface with other domains that we need to translate back and forth between. Um, so we have, uh, in a sense, you can say, 
our field builds on three main pillars um, from which we have toolbox. So one is statistics and probability that hand that is about um, describing variability in the data we see and making some kind of inference, understanding what is the variability, maybe quantifying it. Um, then there's mathematics that you can see as the language for writing down these things and for arguing your case. So it can either be with symbols or it can be a nice, um, consistent and short, precise argument that you make. And computer science, which is in a way very similar to mathematics. There's a very structured way of thinking, but with the additional cool thing that you can also use this language to instruct a computer to automate some of the things you want done for your analysis. Of course, all of these three fields on their own, they can also do very cool things. So here I'm talking in the context of toolboxes for data science. And all these toolboxes we use to interface other domains. So here in my, in my little cloud, I've explained a few um, or illustrated a few possible um, domains the, that we could apply our knowledge to. And it's also one of the cool things about data science that with the tools we have, we can just work kind of in any other domain, just using our knowledge. Um, so you get a, a foundational um, education and then you can decide later on what you want to do with it in, in um, your work after. Um, so what we're doing in the bachelor program is basically we're building this kind of toolbox um, that can then uh, enable you to basically help other people in other domains with their problems. Um, and then also we need to discuss on how to use all those tools responsibly because you get actually a quite a lot of uh, powerful tools and um, you illustrate things, you compute numbers and you need to know how they're used and how people interpret them. So it's, that is also a responsibility you get. Um, so we discussed that a lot also in the program. Um, so let me try and illustrate a few of the the ways we try to extract information about data. We are kind of uh, statistical sleuths or, or data detectives um, to see, given a set of data, what can, interesting things can we extract from this? Sometimes it's a very specific question. Was this person's DNA in this DNA sample? Sometimes it might be, say, business analytics. Here's a heap of data. Can you find interesting patterns? Like with people buy uh, nappies, do they also buy um, toilet paper, baby food, this kind of thing. So one general thing we try to do is understand some connections in the real world. So in terms of health science, this could be, is smoking connected to lung cancer? So that's a very general question, um, but still precise enough that we can easily translate that into some kind of technical question that we can address using the toolbox we have. Um, then we can also wish to quantify it. So it, one thing is to establish that there is some kind of connection between smoking and lung cancer, but how big is that effect? So one, one question we might then ask 
um, to be more precise, is how much more likely would it be to get lung cancer if I actually smoke? So this is also a difficult question, but one that can actually be addressed by, well, amongst other things, uh, standard statistical uh, reasoning. Then there's a third type of question that is um, particularly prevalent in the machine learning um, scene, which is prediction. So this is a slightly different type of, of um, well, it's still kind of a quantification, but it's you take a particular situation. So in this setting with lung cancer, it could be you take a very specific person. This is a woman, she's 70 years old, you know she smokes, and we also know that she has this specific uh, gene that we know is somehow linked to cancer. Does she then have cancer? Is what we want to answer. So this is a type of problem you see with, with supervised uh, learning all the time. Um, in machine learning, we're trying to guess an outcome. In this case, does this specific person have cancer? One thing we have in common uh, as data scientists, I'd say, is the curiosity. So we are all generally very, very different um, in our backgrounds. Uh, this is both at faculty level, so the, us who teach, and also you as students. You have a very different background um, where you come from, your age, maybe you've done a different degree before, um, and the, the aims you have, the future plans you have with taking this education. Um, it might be you want to go into research, it might be you want to work in a big tech company, or you've done a previous degree and you want to somehow use data science to extract more information about your specific field. Um, and similarly, us as the um, lecturers, we have very different academic backgrounds. Um, so I'm a statistician myself, coming also from mathematics. Um, we have many computer scientists, we have physicists, uh, people from social science, um, linguistics, and so on. Um, so it's a very vibrant uh, environment. But this common thing is that there is some kind of curiosity. What can we say about the world in a broad sense? Um, so I'll just try to illustrate just a few questions that you might ask yourself um, or you might recognize that you feel uh, happy about. So one thing is, for instance, are you able to listen to other people and really understand what they're saying? Like if they come to you, they, they try to describe something they're struggling with, some kind of problem, understanding a connection between things. Are you good at listening and really understanding what they're talking about, then data science might really be for you. If someone comes with a problem, are you the one who has a creative solution? So I'm not necessarily here talking about technical solution. You might not have learned those yet, but it could also be some kind of MacIver style. You fix something with tape, some kind of creative solution to a real world problem. Um, then there's a the general wish to explain phenomena in the world. So you see something and you want to explain what is going on. This is what we do every single day. Um, you might want to think also like, would it really excite you to get a whole toolbox that helps you explain the world and see these kind of connections 
uh, in the world more clearly. Um, and one such thing is through visualizations. So there are bad visualizations in the world. Um, but uh, would it excite you to take a very complex problem and make a beautiful visualization that is also insightful, that helps people actually understand something that is super complex? Um, and then finally, if you love paying attention to detail, like what is really going on, what are your assumptions? Maybe you love like working out some little math or something on the computer, like really down to understanding every single little word. This data science might really also be for you. So what is the program? Um, we have these three years. I've roughly grouped um, the three years in, into a progressive uh, uh, thing. So in your first year, we mainly try to give you some kind of tools and understand what kinds of problems we are facing in data science. What kinds of data are we looking at? What are we trying to do? And then in year, year two, we can move on to the state of the art techniques, um, modern things and, and machine learning. And then in year three, you have a lot of electives and a bachelor project so that you can really shape what you want to do. Uh, maybe for a master's or maybe for your future. Um, so let's just look at the years one by one. These um, six names, they're courses. So these are like subjects. And, and each of them are taught um, as a single subject. So you have classes for each of those six subjects. Um, so in the first semester, you're introduced to um, basically the three big pillars something about how to instruct the computer to do things. So we can call that programming, but it's also about general computational thinking. And what are the data scientific problems that we might want to instruct the computer to solve? Then there's some uh, fundamental mathematics, like how do you reason about um, mathematical concepts and what is linear algebra and optimizations? These are the two perhaps yeah, not perhaps. They are the two most important uh, mathematical subjects um, for machine learning. And then probability. How do you reason about uncertainty in data? Um, machine learning, statistics, any kind of reasoning of data is basically built on the idea of, of probability theory. Then in the second semester we move on to um, more reasoning about uh, uncertainty with applied statistics, what is a linear regression, how can you infer something about variability in data. And we do some hands-on projects both in applied statistics and in projects in data science so that you can actually quickly get a feel for what kinds of problems, real-world problems that you can actually solve using all those basic tools. And then there's more fundamental computer science, uh, classical computer science with algorithms and data structures. How can you make the computer think in a very structured way? How can you think in a structured way to instruct the computer to do something? Year two, um, we have uh, very um, state-of-the-art and, and modern topics in, in machine learning and social science. Um, so machine learning is one big topic and that continues then in, in the second half of the year into um, natural language processing and deep learning. Um, and then there's also network analysis, uh, also interfacing there, social science. 
There's a lot on data visualization. How can you make good visualizations and use that to in inform some decisions that you're making? And um, introduction to database systems. How do you store data? How do you query big databases? And how do you implement all of this uh, at a, a large scale? What do you do if you have big data? If you have uh, big computations, some of these um, things that you want to train, they are very, very um, computer intensive. So you need tools um, to actually make the computer do what you can conceptually easily describe. Year three, um, you have uh, elective courses um, in both, um, sec both semesters. So in the first half of the year and the second half of the year, and you also get to decide um, yourself what you want to do for your bachelor thesis. So this is really an opportunity to shape the program um, for your future. And then we have um, various topics that also train you in, in discussing um, with the real world, like what are the, what are the ethical issues about what you're doing, um, privacy issues, security issues, how do you communicate this properly? Um, well, both to, to stakeholders, maybe you've done a cool implementation of some software, now you need to document it, maybe you did an analysis, you need to document it, then that's a different kind of language you need to use for this. Or maybe you've done an analysis for someone um, who is not uh, a data scientist and then you need to explain in layman terms what that actually means, or maybe in biology terms or whatever field you're here interfacing. Um, so let me just here towards the end explain what a course is and what the teaching is like. So it's quite different from what you would have at high school. So every single subject or course here has two kinds of teaching. One is the lectures. So it's all, all classroom setting, but lectures, it's the whole cohort, so the, your whole class, everyone who starts in a particular year, together in one room, and then one lecturer, such as myself, going through um, a piece of your course book, or a general overview, explaining what you should go home and read more about. So trying to introduce you to a topic. Then there is a second type of teaching, which is led by teaching assistants. So this would typically be students perhaps just one year older than you. And these are smaller settings. So you'd, you'd be perhaps um, 20 students in a room. Um, so you're split into smaller groups. And you sit there and you discuss the, um, some kind of exercise sheet. So if I'm the lecturer in machine learning, I'll give you an overview at the lectures. And then I will make a whole uh, problem sheets with interesting um, problems to uh, go through in your own time and then you come to the exercise session and discuss with your with your um, course mates and also with these older students so you can understand whether you understood the problem correctly or maybe get help to solve it or if there were some kind of interesting academic point in this exercise um, and it we have various other things to get you well started. So these are more general than for each course. Um, one is study lab. So this is a place where you can go twice a week and there would just be people available to help you with trying to solve these exercises that you get in the problem sheet every week. Then we have um, initiatives right when you start your studies, which is uh, live coding and boot it. 
So basically, um, small crash courses to help you get started. How do you actually start your computer? What does it mean to, to um, write something in a command prompt? How can I make basic instructions to the computer to do what we want to do in class? So that's all for me, and I hope you will come and join us at ITU. Welcome back. Thank you, Teresa, for the presentation. Now we will continue to the Q&A sessions. Again, if you have any questions, write them in, uh, in the Q&A function, and we will answer as many as we can. Yeah. The first question for you will be, is it important to be very good at math? <laughs> so there will be quite a, quite a lot of math content in the program, but also in, in the future life. I think like, a big part of this education is also to, to prepare you for, for being able to understand new methods um, that come along in this, this kind of field that, that moves along very fast. It's not necessarily important to know a lot of math, especially high school type math can be very different from, from what you do at university level. But the wanting to think very structured, I think, is a very important skill. And, and also being interested in learning the math. I mean, we will teach you the math you need yeah. for data science uh, here. And maybe we should say also that, I mean, of course, there is a, a entry uh, requirement um, with mathematics at a certain level. Um, so if you fulfill that, you also know enough math um, to start the program. But if you have not done math for several years, maybe you did a different degree, it can be a really good idea to brush up on the math before you come, then you'll definitely have a nicer first semester. Yeah, I also did that. I uh, just did uh, a course on math just before starting again here. And it was very useful for me mostly to refresh just the logic behind math. Mm. Because I can always look up the formulas, but just understanding why and how was uh, easier once I got the chance to um, just touch up a bit on my uh, on my memory so I'd say that yeah it's it, yeah it's important but it's also mostly just understanding the logic of it I'd say yeah like yeah. building up an argument thinking structured which is also something we train in, in the programming yeah uh, and understanding computer science like yeah, what do I want to do? What do I want to explain? And then building up your argument slowly. Yeah. And how is this thing working? And why is it working? And how can I use it in this situation? And which would be the best model, the best uh, formula, for example, just to use in this situation? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> One more question. Mm -hmm. uh, informatic and programming skills required Programming skills are not, I mean, we, we will teach you, as a, as a general principle, we will teach you in the program yeah. all that is, is needed for, for doing well in the courses. Yeah. Um, and especially in first semester, we spent quite a bit of time on, on understanding how to program. So some people might have had a bit of a head start with, with learning some programming during high school. I, uh, I had some uh, programming experience before coming here, but I also saw how the people that didn't have any experience beforehand caught up with what I knew in a matter of weeks. So uh, from my experience, the, um, the learning material was made so that we would learn 
as much as possible in a good amount of time and it actually was very um, it worked very well for us I think also even if for people who have done programming before again there is a difference maybe from say programming and then learning computer science yeah. slowly like what are the good practices what is the systematic like scientific way of thinking yeah. um, as for the math math at university level is very different from from yeah. math at high school mm. also we did a lot of programming oriented towards the data science part yes so it was also for how much programming knowledge we may have beforehand it was very nice to actually see how to use it in practice for what we're gonna learn also in the in the future courses yeah so that was also very interesting during the first semester that was yeah <laughs> next questions do you know how many available uh, seats there are for this bachelor program Around 80 students um, will be admitted. Um, or, well, we might have, okay, so, th so the whole how many is admitted is, is, a, is a long and complex uh, calculation, so I can't tell you exactly. Um, but we, we would s sort of expect to have a cohort around 80 students in, in data science. <laughs> Next questions. How many hours would you say you spent in a week overall at university? Um, so for me, it's around uh, 30 to 36 at the moment, of which 16 are, 16 are for the lectures and exercise sessions. And then the rest is between um, preparation before class and solving assignment afterwards and just maybe solving exercises before the exercise session. Overall, I think that the requirement is to spend 40 hours, more or less. Yeah. But it also depends, at least in my experience, it depends a lot on how fast a person is and how much time it's needed to yeah. understand the topic. So there's so a general rule. Um, so one ECTS credit means something specific in terms of working hours. And mm -hmm. for a student, it's, it's a full-time job being a student. Um, and you have quite a bit of summer vacation. So it's sort of means that you have to work on your studies around 40 yeah. to 45 hours per week but it will depend a bit on the semester maybe yeah. what you knew in advance or also like on the time uh, the time during the semester during exam yeah. period i spend a lot more than uh, than 30 hours maybe sometimes yeah. it's a bit less so it also depends on uh, what situation and what course definitely so generally, I guess th th that model, ECTS model, means that whenever you have a one-hour lecture, you should sort of think of it as you read or prepare for it in another one and a half hours at home. Yeah. I think that's a useful yeah. for mental model, at least. Yes. Yes. A question for you, Elsia. Yeah. Why did you choose to study in Copenhagen? Um, mm -hmm. Personally, it was because I uh, I have Danish roots, and I um, when I was offered the chance to move here, I took it, and it's um, it was for me it was a very easy chance because before moving here I already knew Denmark, and uh, I really loved the culture and I really loved the way of living and a lot of smaller things maybe, and uh, when I had to choose where in Denmark to live, coming from a big city, I thought that. Copenhagen would be the easiest way for me to uh, to live also because this is where most of the universities are, I think. Um, 
so this is why I chose Copenhagen, I'd say, yes. <laughs> Next question. How much group work is there in general? We have quite a bit of group work um, built into the courses. Yeah. So many of the courses will have some kind of project components that is generally worked on in groups, basically because then you can well, both practice working in groups, but also you can make bigger and cooler projects than if you were to do them yeah. on your own. Definitely. It's also, in my experience, it's also both a mix between the mandatory ones and it's also easier to solve just everyday uh, assignments or everyday exercises in groups so that we can help one another and make it more complex of an answer if we're answering something that requires maybe multiple people or multi knowledge of multiple kinds, um, then I think that group work is a very big part of my experience here, definitely, on top of the, the required ones for the different courses. But I think that overall uh, we've had one mandatory group work uh, per semester in the first two semesters, and last semester we've had two courses that required um, mon like group work and the same I think it's in this semester. So it's it's also a very big part of the general education here. So. It's something we try to balance also that, yeah. that we want your degree of course to reflect what you yeah. can do and make sure that, that you also learn everything yeah. and not that because group work also can be sometimes like you you divide the skills yeah. and, and you practice what you're already good at so so we're trying to also make the yeah. group work a benefit to the teaching yeah i think that mostly for me it's it's just a way to enhance what i i know and to improve what i uh, i maybe know less so that when we arrive at the end of the semester at the end of the group the work uh, we all arrive to be on the same level yeah. of, uh, of knowledge. One more question mm -hmm. related. Are there group projects along the semesters? Um, could you rephrase it? So during the semester, whether there are Yes, oh, during the projects. semesters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are integrated in the, in the uh, courses. So uh, for some courses I've experienced that we would have to solve some exercises or some assignments weekly so um, and there were, would be assignments to solve in groups um, and then towards the end of the semester we would work more together to produce the final uh, paper the final product mm -hmm. that we have to produce so yeah I'd say that it's uh, it's evenly um, distributed during the semester so for many students like even if you're not say forced to working in groups mm. you would typically find yourself as a small set of friends yeah. like a study group and work on the exercises maybe the weekly exercises that you have or problem yeah. sheets yeah that's uh, that has been my experience mostly yeah. <laughs> one more questions do people have student jobs um well I've seen my classmates, most of them have had student jobs uh, all throughout our education. Um, I personally started having one in uh, in September, so I took the first year to adjust the workload and because, as we've said before, it is a full-time education. So we have to, I needed time to understand how I wanted to manage my time. Mm -hmm. And then after I learned that very well, hopefully, I uh, I managed to add more time to work on something else. 
but I am also a teaching assistant here at ITU. So my job is very relevant for my education. And most of my, uh, my colleagues, my, my fellow students, uh, they also have very study relevant jobs, I believe. Yeah. And I think that's also one benefit then of, of studying in Copenhagen. We yeah. have ample opportunities for, for just study yeah, jobs and, uh, in, in the industry indeed. around us. There are many companies that are in need of some kind of data scientist at, at student level. And then in-house we also use many of our good students as exactly as, as teaching assistants yeah. to teach, say, the younger students. Yeah, one more. Do you know each other across the study programs at ITU? Uh, I do. I do uh, know a lot of people from different study lines. Uh, that was thanks at the beginning mostly to the introductory uh, weeks and events that um, made it so that we would mingle more and get to know people all across the different study lines. And uh, afterwards, when we actually started being each in our own uh, with our own line, I, um, I joined some student organizations that are for all of the, the students at ITU, so I got the chance to also meet people from the masters or the pe people who already graduated and then just really liked the organization. So, uh, and also the Friday bars definitely, they do help with, uh, with knowing people. So I think yeah. it's also a general thing at ITU, it's a very small university, yeah. so we're kind of all in the same main building at least and and so also from from the lecturer side we also do mix quite a bit um, both on what we do in research and and with the teaching yeah. um, so teacher so cross programs it's very easy to just if we meet the same people over and over again you get to know them more yeah and a lot of the classes we also have with uh, other study lines or some of for example our classes are electives for other study lines yeah so we get to mingle a lot i'd say yeah. next questions is it possible to go on exchange and where yes it is uh, <laughs> possible to go on exchange and and we have quite a few students who do um, so that would if i remember correctly mostly be in the fifth semester so what towards the end of your of your study program um, because we have such important core courses and subjects in in the first two years so it can be a little bit harder to arrange um, an exchange uh, during the first two years but you have so much um, flexibility in your third year that it's easier uh, to get out there yeah. um, and you can that we have i cannot remember exactly where we have uh, agreements with <laughs> you have it yeah i do um in europe i remember it is in barcelona mm -hmm. maastricht and munich or i think it's munich in germany but in general somewhere in Germany and then outside of Europe it's uh, in South Korea, in Seoul, uh, Hong Kong, then uh, Auckland, New Zealand yeah. and Sydney, Australia. I, uh, I wanted to apply so I kind of remember Good. the list <laughs> <laughs> of all of them and it's, uh, I think there was also so Russia but I think that it's, uh, it has stopped in the last year. Yeah, um, um, so, so there are some already kind of pre-approval, pre-approved um, arrangements but otherwise some students also arrange with their own yeah. university of interest that they want to go there and they apply there independently and then you can simply write an ap application that goes to uh, various people at ITU one of them would be me and I would sit down and 
and look at whether the courses you want to take fit with the with the whole bachelor program. So I think that the opportunities for going abroad, yeah. they are very good. Yeah, um, I uh, think you could almost apply anywhere that yeah, fits yeah. the description of uh, what we are supposed to do on the fifth semester, more yeah. or less. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the possibilities for housing for international students when you study at ITU? Um, I think that there there definitely is some uh, some housing um, possibilities for international students through ITU, but I don't really have a knowledge about it. So uh, if you're interested in that, I would definitely suggest to contact the study and career guidance. They have all the information and they're very helpful in uh, in helping you find the best solutions for you. Next question. Is it easy to find a job after finishing this study program? This is for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so so first of all, the, the data science program uh, uh, as a study program is, is fairly young. So so we don't have very, very good numbers on this. Um, but, but the employer's side that I meet with uh, twice per year, they are very, very eager to get uh, graduate um, students from our program. So. Whether it's easy or not, it depends a bit on what the, what kind of job you want to get. Uh, it can be uh, better to choose to do a master's first and then get a job. Um, I think that would be the quick general advice. Yeah, I guess. Um, and, and there would generally be less um, bachelor level jobs. Though that said, um, at the moment at least, data scientists are, are so scarce that yeah. that um, companies might also be very eager to basically grasp you um, right after your bachelor's. Yeah. And what we also see is that, that people might leave the bachelor um, maybe to continue on their student job or, or to work somehow with industry or a self-started company for a while and then they come back and do a master. Mm. Yeah. I've, uh, I don't have any experience in that, of course. No. I, uh, I've just noticed how if I say that I'm start studying data science, most of the people or companies, they their eyes just start sparkling and just uh, they seem very excited about it. Yeah. So uh, I'd say that it's a good job field at the moment to, yeah. to be in. So I think in general with, with the whole, like uh, the IT sector as such yeah. needs pe good people, but then people who actually know what to do with data, <laughs> who are used to thinking in terms of data and extracting information, they are even more in demand. Yeah, and our education is great, at least in my experience, in preparing us for what we actually would do. Yeah. It's very hands-on with what we do. So it's, uh, it's a great starting point for them going to a job market and having actually some knowledge on how to deal with data yeah. practically. So, yeah. <laughs> Can you give me an example of what a data scientist works with? Yeah, um, so again, because it's such a new um, thing as an academic program, the, the scope is really wide here. No. Um, so there are some, some generic titles you can get, like the data analyst, analyst, sorry, data <laughs> analyst and data engineer. Um, but you can really work with anything that that has to do with navigating data. Mm. Yeah. Um, For at least while we're studying, we have also a lot of uh, hands-on projects for uh, for data science, and we've been working with, for example, 
natural language processing and image recognition. So it's also um, like from my perspective, we've also done a lot of those kind of uh, things that you hear maybe on the news as those buzzwords or very cool things. We're actually doing them in practice here. And then afterwards, I guess that just continues and, uh, and gets more developed in the ways that we do it. Yeah. So we have also, we have people who continue into computer science and, and more of programming, maybe programming where it's also required that you know a lot of machine learning and get that, get that up and running. Um, then we have students who have, um, after their bachelor, joined um, various newspaper um, yeah. instances to work with data, like maybe critically analyzing um, new AI methods that appear where you need you, you need a journalist that also has this scientific knowledge about algorithms yeah, that we teach exactly on, uh, in this program. Yeah. yeah, I'd say, I'd say that. Yes. And quite a few people also come in with maybe a prior degree or, or a business idea and then they take the bachelor program here hmm. to get good at data science and then yeah. how to use data for your business idea. Yeah. So like, yeah. That sounds, that sounds very cool. <laughs> yes. Could you tell us about the exams? <laughs> yeah, so that we have quite a few different exam formats um, to train various skills. Um, so you've just been subjected to an oral exam in machine learning. <laughs> yeah, with you. That was uh, that was a blast. <laughs> um, so that would be uh, twenty minutes in a room with uh, with me and two others, and uh, and explaining about machine learning, being grilled about yeah. uh, all you know about machine learning. Then we have a standard pen and paper, closed book exams, um, and a lot of open books exams. Yes. Uh, that was mostly what I've, I've done as uh, written exams. It was open book, um, no access to the internet, of course, but it was, uh, we could access all the resources uh, yes. that we had access to during the semester. Then I've had also um, some group work that ended up in producing a paper and, uh, and afterwards uh, defending that paper and defending our uh, job, like our work and then just uh, having a discussion with the, the lecturer about what we could have done better, what were the theories behind it, and um, what is the general like knowledge that you have to have about have, have to have about the subject. Yeah. Yes. So I'd say it's from my perspective, at least, it's very comprehensive in. Uh, in getting to understand and deal and learn how to deal with the different formats that is also going to be part of later um, work life. Yeah, I'd say. So it's uh, it's very comprehensive <laughs> at least, and a bit stressful to go in machine learning exam, but that's going to be in some time. <laughs> Are there many international students on data science, and where do they come from? Yes, uh, there are, there are. It's roughly half of the cohort, actually. Yeah, I'd say so. Maybe a bit more, yeah. even. Um, In uh, like my year, we have a lot of international students, me being technically one of them. Um, and they are from all over. I'd say that probably it's easier to get in uh, with a European uh, high school degree, not because of other reasons, but because it's just 
closer. Um, but I have a lot of uh, classmates from very much different places. So it's it, it's very difficult to say where from, but generally speaking, there's a lot of internationals. Yeah, most mostly Europe, a bit mm. of US. Um, we get many applications from Romania and Poland every year. Yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> yes. We have. Yeah. Okay, last question. How is the balance between study and social life? Uh, in my experience, it's very good because I get to, well, of course, as part of my study, um, I interact with a lot of people, also just the people I work with to solve the assignments or the, in mm. the group work, but also outside of the simple studying part, um, ITU offers a lot of possibilities to just interact with people um, from other lines, from uh, years above and below. Um, and I just personally seek to just meet as many people as possible mm. from uh, from ITU, also because it's like 2,000 people. Yeah. So it's easier than in other situations. So overall, I'd say that it's uh, it's a very good balance between the two without becoming too much of one thing or too much of the other thing. You're involved with the coffee uh, yeah. bar, right? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm part of two student organizations, both Analog, where it's the cafe, and uh, Node, so uh, the choir. Mm -hmm. um, so I get to well, sing once a week and make coffee, which is uh, it's a great way to uh, meet both people from, uh, from other study lines, from the masters. Uh, we have some PhD students, um, but also people that uh, are done with their education and they're just miss coming and being at ITU and they just come back for yeah. being part of these organizations that allow it. It's yeah. also where most of faculty go and get their coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to make a lot of coffees for uh, a lot of my uh, lectures. That was uh, <laughs> that was very interesting. I got to learn a bit of their coffee habits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, we're done with the Q&A session and uh, thank you very much for joining today. We, uh, we hope that this uh, session gave you a very good insight into what it means to be a data science student and we definitely hope to see you next semester. Uh, should you come up with any other questions or you need any clarification, on the next slide there's going to be some contact information and those are the people that can help you and can answer all of your questions. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>